0: Oh, <laughs> my
1: And welcome
2: to Forty Going On 14. I am Mike.
0: I am Patrick.
2: I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week we all watched The Haunting, also known as The Haunting of Hill House, a uh, terrifying story about a man named Hugh Crane, which means that it's the most confusing and terrifying thing involving Hugh Crane that has nothing to do with American politics right now.
0: That whole Ukraine thing, it really was bugging me that every single time somebody would say that name, I'm like, it sounds so much like Ukraine. It really was bugging me. Indeed.
3: <laughs> they should have just
0: Brexited. I was like, this is so topical in so many ways.
3: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Oh, yeah. So this week,
1: haunting The Haunting, The Haunting, and The Haunting of Hill House. We got a trifecta. Manny, manny,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Joe. <laughs> I was going to say he's not stuttering. I mean, we we watched two versions of the haunting.
1: Yeah. Two versions of the haunting, the original 1963. 3. Yes. Yep. 1963, um a 1999 one that we're all going to have opinions on, and then the uh 19 uh 2019 uh 2000. 2018. 2018? What did I yep. say?
3: 19. I did. 2018 right. was that one? And season two comes out 2020.
1: So it's been it's been out that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was
0: a uh, yeah last Halloween. Oh wow! I... Yeah, we discussed doing it for the show, but we didn't oh. have time.
1: Okay, well, yeah, that's what we do here. We keep up on things. Ish. <laughs> <So.
0: laughs> well, I mean, we they, they could you know lampoon us for doing the. For waiting this many years to do the original haunting. Like, we've been waiting since 1963.
3: Were they, were they, they recording? recording in 1963?
0: Might have Theore- been. Yeah, I mean, spiritually, theoretically. I don't know where I'm going with this, so. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Either. If anybody wants you to just talk over me, that's perfectly all right.
3: Okay. I mean, I wasn't. You even guys are
0: giving me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm looking for the segue. <laughs>
0: If you like not having segues,
2: if you like not having segues, you might like all the shows on the podcast collective, I guess, such as I am Salt Lake, the dog and show, the Empty Rant podcast, Mom and the New Dad, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour.
1: Hey, Joel. Yo. How do you know if a ghost is a boy or a girl? Boobs. One's got boobies. The other one gives you a little willy. Ah. Like that? Ah. Yeah. So that if you're looking for more things. of this crap.
3: <laughs> Nanna na booboob. boob.
1: <laughs> uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Talkshoot, Podverse FM, noonfm.com. Find us all over the web. Go over to uh uh Podchaser, leave us some chitty chat, let us know what shows are your favorite. You can rate them there. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, it's 708 NowRap, 708-669-9727. We got no voicemails.
3: We got no voicemails. We got no voicemails.
2: There are no voicemails here. Yeah, the, the voicemail well has finally run dry after a series of weeks of lots of voicemails.
3: Thank you to everyone who did send them, though.
0: Yes,
2: we do appreciate
0: apparently, it. Apparently we need to pump it a little harder.
3: <laughs> That's what she said. Well, it's,
2: it's strange because, like, the order we're going to be releasing these, uh, may, maybe the well will suddenly become full again. I, I can't keep a track of it anymore. Wells all over the place. It's high. It's low. It's dry. It's wet. It's moist.
0: <laughs> but we'll be we'll be back on a normal schedule within a
3: month. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're getting caught up.
1: About that time,
2: I think it's about that time.
3: This weekend, music, movies, and. And sport.
2: Wow, the New Zealand this weekend theme.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a Nikki deep cut.
2: Deep cut. Those of you that are have just started listening, that's actually
1: uh, Nikki from New Zealand, a listener of ours who uh, phoned in. Li- literally, uh, her. Uh, she wanted to be on the tweet. So, <clears throat>
0: sure.
1: Yeah, we haven't wow. heard
2: that in literal years. Yeah. Awesome.
0: That's
3: going way back.
1: All right. So this week, we're going with September 18th, 1963, the release of the first The Haunting.
3: All right. So music, the number one song in the land was My Boyfriend's Back by the Angels, which was knocked off by Bobby. Whoa. I I like both those songs. Yeah, I do, too. Yep. And they were made into movies, both of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, one was a little a zombie? bit
1: more lighthearted than the other. <laughs>
3: <laughs> one was a zombie and the other one was uh, uh, a, a suburban <sighs> nightmare. Baby, baby
0: wants, wants to fuck him. Both of us at the same time.
3: <laughs> uh, 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 Merry Christmas
2: baby doesn't want that. <laughs> he
3: just turned into Hank Hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, kind probably... kinda...
2: Wandered from Barney <laughs> through butters to Hank Hill. <laughs> I got a picture of Hank Hill dressed in a Christmas diaper. <laughs>
0: oh man, that boy ain't right.
3: Damn it, Peggy. <laughs> How you talk me into this. Uh anyway, so on September twelfth, the Beatles reached the number one spot in the UK for the third time with their single She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, you should be glad.
3: Okay. Then uh, we'll move on to Richard Noel Marks. Born September 16th, as an adult pop, rock, singer, songwriter, musician, record producer, and Twitter savant who has sold over 30 million records in his career. He had a stream of hit signals during the late 1980s and 1990s, which means he is not a one hit wonder. Oh, nice. His (laughs) songs include End the Summer Nights, Hold On to the Nights. Right here, waiting for the nights. Don't mean nothing for the nights. <laughs> should have known better for the nights, and too late to say goodbye to the day. Those are all edited for content. That dude, had a, that dude had a pretty, pretty healthy career.
0: He's still going. And by the way, the Twitter thing is real. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He's very no. funny.
3: Yeah, I was wondering what's that about. Is he just like?
0: He's just like, really funny. He posts stuff like daily, and he's just, he's just very funny. He has thirty five
3: thousand tweets. What the hell?
0: And I follow him, and he frequently makes me laugh.
3: Huh. I will uh, have to add him to my Twitter feed because I was not aware of this.
2: Yeah. yeah no, that's he's a Twitter comedian. Who? Who
3: knew? Apparently, yeah. Pat knew. <laughs> that's why t- Pat's the talent. Exactly, Richard. It's just Richard. Oh, there he is. <clears throat> All right, I've added him to my uh, feed. So moving on, Jarvis Branson Cocker, born. You to have been
2: blocked by. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> Start that anyway, over, Joel. Sorry. <laughs> Jarvis
3: Branson Cocker, born September 19th as an English musician and actor. He was the founder, frontman, and sole consistent member of the band Pulp. Cocker has also pursued a solo career, and for seven years, he presented the BBC Radio 6 music show, Jarvis Cocker's Sunday Service. Do you know him? I, I, I know of Pulp, yeah. I'm not familiar yeah. with him specifically, but... Yeah, working at the record store, they were they were in rotation quite a bit. And finally, songwriter, composer, actor, and Arthur Fred Hildebrand was a musical comedy actor for 25 years. Wrote his own material and wrote several stage and television scores. Some of his popular song compositions include Shake the Hand of the Man That Broke Your Heart, How Many Dreams Ago, Please Return My Heart, and Will There Be Room for All of Us in Heaven? He appeared mostly in TV and short films until his death on September 15th, where he found out if there was room for him in heaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, his final song was gee i hope so
3: <laughs>
0: yeah i don't think i actually know any of those me either
3: yeah i don't well take the hand of the man no no, no, no
0: that's uh, a different song you're thinking of you're thinking of a spiritual
3: put your one. hand in the hand of the man that yeah healed the, the jesus yeah
0: recall the storm yeah well yeah, and he, he
2: did write scores so those could have all been instrumental so we wouldn't know them by their titles oh true story but
0: no, shake the hand of the man was a real song. I did listen to it. Oh, okay. Gene Watson so, did a uh, did a version of it.
2: So it had lyrics and all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's all about you know like his you know his ex woman you know and somebody broke her heart and he's like just talking about how he wants to shake his hand. That's all. I mean.
2: All right. Well, man. moving on then to movies. The number one movie in the land was The Great Escape, starring Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Donald Pleasance, James Coburn, and Charles Bronson. Great movie. Oh, yeah. It's it's easily in my top ten, maybe top five. You know,
0: I still haven't seen it.
2: Really? What? Oh. Yeah.
0: I own the damn thing. I still haven't wait
1: seen it. Wait a
2: second. Wait a second. Didn't we?
1: We watched it.
2: No, we nope. didn't. Nope. It well, hasn't been remade, and wrong. I don't think we've ever done a
3: profile on any of those actors. Okay.
2: as well, much as of them, Joel might want a Bronson show
3: well I mean he, he passed away in 97
2: uh, right yeah. so the, the now would be kind of sparse yeah and
0: we get half of that off
3: <laughs> most of them yeah, eventually they're uh, going to remake
2: that oh I just was going to say they're eventually definitely going to remake that film so I'm looking forward yeah. to eventually doing it because it, it probably in my opinion is the greatest of all World War II films
3: I wonder if that would be something like, oh shit, got like a Guy Ritchie movie or trying to think of somebody that would fit that mold.
0: So you're obviously saying that it's better than Saving Private Ryan,
2: and it's not close. Huh? Yeah, it's a
3: bit different kind of a war movie,
2: but yeah, in terms of like great actors doing great characters, yeah, the story is definitely better. Yeah, it's it's very rich all right the movie the vips was released on september 19th starring elizabeth taylor maggie smith orson wells richard burton rod taylor and margaret rutherford who won an academy award and a golden globe for best supporting actress hmm i don't even know I, if i've heard of that yeah i don't know what this is and i'm a big fan of at least three people on that list
0: i think you would really like this movie um it, it's a it's about a bunch of people that are uh, stranded in an airport when uh, something—I can't remember the reason why—and all of them have various, very important reasons why they have to be where they're supposed to be. And they, you know, it's all about them trying to work out, you know, things between each other, you know, and like the pieces start for the, you know, it's, it's an interesting movie, hmm. but it's what it's, it's a, it's a, you know, like a bottle episode type thing. It's a one, one setting in a terminal, and it's just a, you know a bunch of good huh. actors acting the shit out of shit. <laughs>
1: Every time I hear Richard Burton's name, I always think of Bill
3: Murray doing Richard yes! Burton. Rude. <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. I've really right. never heard of it, though.
2: Also released this week, we have X, the story of Dr. James Xavier, portrayed by Ray Milland. Uh, he invented a serum for improving human vision, and he proceeds to experiment on himself with horrifying results. From the director who gave you Swamp Women the wasp woman and the classic acronym of the week tbwame exclamation point which i'm pretty sure stands for taking baths with a medical examiner
0: (laughs) 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 well so much you'll be thinking you're gonna get semi-close with it this week
3: no, <laughs> I decided to just go really strange, dude. I would watch <laughs> the hell out of that movie.
0: No, that is the Beast with a million eyes. Ooh,
3: how oh. could you get
0: that? Well, I mean, you, you totally could. But
3: those are some those are some classic kind of B sci fi films. Like... Oh yeah, the
1: Wasp Woman. That was I, I've seen that one multiple times. I've huh. seen one. X. I have nope. not seen X. I hang on, I gotta see. Though I.
0: Hang on! I, I think he was trying to give himself x-ray vision and something goes horribly awry.
3: Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Same with the Wasp Woman and the Beast with a Million Eyes.
1: I give him a lot of credit. He's got a lot. I mean, Ray Milland. he's got a lot of these B movies in his thing, but then he's also got The Lost Weekend. He Or uh, uh, Dial M for Murder. He's got a good swap between I'm doing this for the paycheck. Oh, he was in Frogs. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. X, the man with x-ray eyes, 1963. Oh, I've seen this.
3: I recognize the poster. Yep. Figured one of you might, if you saw the picture.
1: It's In this one, they did the effects of him having the x-ray vision, X-ray eyes. Yeah. Other than what they would just had two, almost like pointing. He would take two flashlights and just point them at your eyes. That's going to be the effect. So, TV, top shows in the land were the Beverly Hillbillies, Bonanza, the Dick Van Dyke Show, and Petticoke Junction.
2: That's kind of a grab bag, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's nothing the fun wrong. part of going down, going into the sixties.
2: Yeah. yeah, That's definitely the like middle of summer in the 1980s stuff. That's on channel 32 in the mid afternoon. Oh yeah.
1: I kind of miss channel 32, man. It was always like the go-to after school. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling the transmission we will control the horizontal, we will control the vertical. The words that began each episode of the 60s anthology series, The Outer Limits, were first heard this week as it showed on September 16th. We should do that. There's remakes of that. Same thing with yeah. the
3: Twilight Zone.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we definitely have to do the Twilight Zone first before we get to the Twilight Zone ripoffs. <gasps> and creep is, there,
3: is there something
2: for the now
1: that would crossover to amazing stories i'm sure they're going
2: to eventually redo amazing stories (sighs) that would be amazing it's too too well regarded a a like semi-obscure 80s property for them not to eventually get back to i mean there's too much it's it's, i don't say underground love to it there's too much
1: love for like everybody nobody really remembers it at the forefront of their mind but when you bring it up in conversation talking about old tv shows everybody does the same thing (gasps) Oh my God! I totally remember that. That was the one. Yeah, with with the prisoner.
2: Yeah, yeah. If I were going to try to like seem like a weird prophet, I would say we're going to see amazing stories on something like Disney Plus. In fact, probably exactly Disney Plus in like three or four years. More than likely. Oh, mark his words. Yeah, it seems to me like an Amazing Stories remake would be the sort of thing that one of the streaming services would want to, like, anchor, hey, we've got this as an exclusive. And, yeah, my my money would be on Disney Plus for that one.
3: Nice.
1: All right. So other shows that premiered this week were The Fugitive, The Patty Duke Show, and Burke's Law. I do not know Burke's Law.
3: That's the one where the hot dog makes that lawyer lose control.
1: I'm just going to go out on the limb here and say you don't know what
2: Burke's law is.
0: It's about, <laughs> no, I don't. It's about the identical cousin judges.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was going to say it's the law that says it's illegal to reveal to people you've been uh, harvesting victims of aliens on a deserted spacecraft. That's oddly specific. All identical
3: right. lawyers and you'll find
2: nobody, huh?
0: I'm guessing I'm guessing that there's a Captain Burke or something. Yeah, no, from Burke.
2: Burke from aliens. Was it, it never mind? Oh, oh.
0: Mike Paul Reiser. Should got, Mike yeah. should have got that one. I,
1: yes. I, I should have you that yeah, was a line drive right to my face and I missed it. That's what she
3: said. I'm I, <sighs> <laughs> I said it quietly so you could keep going. That's what you can also <laughs>
1: <laughs> starring Gene Barry, Gary Conway, and Regis Toomey, and Leon Latonk. Le <laughs> Lontonk? Leon Lontonk? Who the hell is Leon Lontonk?
3: He made those trucks that everybody liked to play with when you were young.
0: Oh. oh I, thought, I thought he made the butts. The Tonk butts.
3: Da-da-da-da-da. Sexy, sexy.
1: Christ. All right, I'm moving on.
3: Hey, Born September
1: 18th, Daniel Kingsley. Povin Meyer is an American television director, writer producer, storyboard artist, and voice actor. Pavin Meyer has been a longtime contributor to the animation business working on several different animated television series such as Hey Arnold, The Simpsons, Rocco's Modern Life, SpongeBob Squarepants. Uh, he was the director of the family Guy when he left to create Phineas and Ferb with Jeff Swampy Marsh. Pavin Meyer has been nominated for several awards including a BAFTA an Annie and an Emmy and all of those oh, Rocco's Modern Life got remade.
0: They're about to come out with a second Phineas and Ferb movie too.
1: But Phineas and Ferb, man, that's a, a really good show. It's a great show. I've never seen it. No,
3: no, uh, I got a spinoff.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have to say it's one of those it. It does the line between this is entertainment for the kids and the sub comedy of for the parents really really well. Yeah. It's one of those like the girls have rewatched episodes of it now and they're like I could. Didn't get half the jokes that are at in that thing because they were laughing at the goofy mistake
0: kind of like Rugrats.
1: Yes, like <laughs> that video is for
0: grandpa.
3: <laughs>
1: All right, on to sports
3: background, film.
0: sports second year pitcher Jim Bootin's 20th win of the season clinched the Yankees' 28th pennant on September 13th. On September 15th, while playing for the San Francisco Giants, the Alou brothers, Felipe, multi, I'm sorry, M- Maddie, listen, <laughs> He's creamy. <laughs> He's got a crunchy coat, though. Felipe, Maddie, and Jesus became the first <laughs> all-brother outfield in the major leagues. Malty's milk balls.
3: <laughs> <Ew>.
0: <laughs> got a very creamy center.
3: Hmm.
0: They they, play, they all played in the outfield for one inning, which was the first time that had ever happened. Three brothers in the outfield was the point of that. All right, moving on. Cecil Grant Fielder was born September 21st. He is a former MLB power hitter in the 80s and 90s. He played for the Toronto Blue Jays, the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, goddamn, 80s and 90s and he's a power hitter? <laughs> that old what? man is hot.
0: Oh, no, not in, not in his 80s and 90s, the 80s and 90s. Bring it on, Sonny. He he didn't pick up a bat until he was 65.
3: Come on, Malty.
0: Do it. (laughs) Hit it right to (laughs) Malty. Damn it. (laughs) Fuck. All right. (laughs) Shut up.
3: We're professionals (laughs) here, damn it.
0: I'm going to fix all this in post. He played for the Toronto Blue Jays, the Detroit Tigers, the New York Yankees, the Anaheim Angels, and the Cleveland Indians. With the Yankees, he won the 1996 World Series. In 1990, he became the first player to reach the 50 home run mark since Roger Maris famously hit 61 in 1961. He is the father of Prince Fielder, who similarly established himself as a premier power hitter during his career. The Fielders are the only father and son to both have 50 home run seasons in the MLB.
3: A wow. family affair this week
0: and lastly oh this is a good one
1: hang on hang on everyone take a deep breath
0: this is our cricket fact of the week all right sir Kurtley elcon Linwall ambrose <laughs> born september 21st is a former cricketer from antigua who played 98 test matches for the west indies considered by many as one of the greatest fast bowlers of all time he took 405 test wickets at an average of 20.99 and topped the ICC player rankings for much of his career. His 6 foot 7 inch height allowed him to make the ball bounce unusually high and combined with his pace and legendary accuracy, he was a difficult matchup for many batsmen. Many considered him the best bowler in the world during his career. He bowled an effective Yorker, and unlike other fast bowlers, he used short-pitched short deliveries sparingly, and he could bowl a hostile bouncer.
2: Did you pick this one just because it's got unfamiliar cricket terms?
0: Maybe. <laughs> After he retired, he was entered into the International Cricket Council Hall of Fame and was selected as one of the West Indies' all-time players. Following his retirement, Ambrose has pursued a career in music as the bass guitarist in a reggae band,
1: of course he is. Wait, hang on. If he's in a reggae band, talk oh, amongst boy.
0: yourselves. <laughs> you gonna find his work.
3: I think he did a song with M- Malty.
1: I I have to say he. Well, no.
0: Oh my god! If you they, type it, that, fa- that famous that famous duo Malty and Ambrose. <laughs> With their song, How Can I Be Too Tall If I Don't Even Exist? Oh. Yeah.
2: It's like Harvey the Rabbit. I was going to say, it sounds like the ballad of Sid Finch. (laughs) I I would hope that Patrick might get that. You were the only one that might get that long shot. Because that is a super obscure sports (laughs) reference that I only know because I know the guy who was the photographer model for Sid Finch. Oh, that's great. (laughs)
3: Cousin. <laughs> that
2: was that was like that was almost like
0: Joel's uh, lead bias reference, but
3: yeah, kind of, out of left field.
0: Yeah, not quite as unexpected, but still way out of left field. That's funny.
1: I'm looking. Got a lot about him playing cricket. Not much about his band. All right, we can find that later.
3: That's oh, great. Post.
1: And that is a great name, Sir Curtly Elcon Linwall Ambrose. Right from Antigua. Antigua.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not the one from Brazil.
2: Yeah. Oh, right. It's a oh. classical Antiguan
3: name.
0: Yeah, Curly. Joel, do you want to play us off? Since we're not even, apparently uh, he's not going to be able to.
3: No, 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 no.
1: So, The Haunting, this is where this all began on the film. It originally started out to be a book, but uh, The Haunting, 1963.
0: Written by Shirley Jackson.
2: Yes, book by Shirley Jackson. Read it, The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, I've never read this one. I've read the lot, I'm pretty sure, by her, but never uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, it's on my list now, but the problem is because of The Haunting of Hill
1: House, it's always checked out of the library now. So
3: That's a good thing, though, you know. The book still has legs. Yeah,
1: The Lottery. There's (coughs) one. Remembers reading that in seventh grade. Yep. Okay, so The Haunting, 1963. A scientist, I'm quotation marking this one, uh, doing research on on the paranormal, invites two women to a haunted mansion. I've seen this movie. Uh, One of the participants (laughs) soon starts losing
3: her mind. The Humping.
1: (laughs) I saw that one. Now on Pornhub, um,
3: they forgot the, the there was a guy there too, though. But
1: yeah. yeah, there was a there was a guy. There was the uh, Luke. Well, was there also? But uh, directed by Robert Wise, who, if you do not know Robert Wise, you will soon discover that you actually do know Robert Wise. Uh, directed such films as West Side Story, Sound of Music, The Andromeda Strain, Starship, the motion picture uh, Odds Against Star Tomorrow. Trek. I literally just said that. He said Starship.
3: We built this city. Oh, Uh. (laughs) okay.
2: It was the song that made that for me, Joel. Thank you.
0: Joel, I want you to put yourself in the corner right now.
2: Yeah.
1: Not going to say I'm not going to randomly kick you from the channel any second now, but and uh, Run Silent, Run Deep. Uh, If you haven't seen that, that's a great movie. Also on Pornhub. Yes. Uh this is written by Nelson Gidding for the screenplay and uh it's also a writer for Andromeda Strain uh I want to live starring Susan Hayward and of course Sergeant Preston of the Yukon uh, Of course yeah that was his last thing uh 52 episodes jeez oh, of Yukon Preston. Um, so, a
3: lot going on in the Yukon.
1: Yeah, again, based off of, based off a uh, a book by Shirley Jackson called The Haunting of Hill House, it stars Julie Harris as Eleanor Lance. Now, trying to get a little bit of reference on this sort of thing because these are f- long ago uh, actors and actresses. So, And you're probably <laughs> not going to get what, who they are from the other movies they've done either because. East oh, there's Eden.
2: one huge exception, though.
1: Oh, yeah. East of Eden uh, and Knots Landing, where she played Lulu Mae Clements, uh, is Julie Harris's resume. Uh, Claire Bloom as Theodora. And you may know her from The King's Speech, where she played Queen Mary. Uh, we know her oh. from Clash of the Titans, where she played Hera.
3: Nice. Oh. Yeah. See? Nice throwback. Oh.
1: Yeah, Richard Johnson played the Dr. John Markaway out there doing his research on paranormal, where he played such things as distinguished gentleman in Lara Croft Tomb Raider.
3: Oh, Dick, Dick yeah. Johnson.
1: Yeah, uh, he <clears throat> kind of all over. Um, he did something in 1969 called Some Girls Do. Got a girl in a bikini holding a machine gun. Um, so now my interest is peaked.
0: Got a Russ Meyer movie?
1: Probably. Uh, was one Russ Tamblin as Luke Sanderson. And uh, you may know him from The Haunting of Hill House. in seven uh, Brides the...
3: for Seven Brothers.
1: And Twin Peaks. Yeah, I was getting there. <laughs> he's one episode of The Bent Neck Lady and Twin Peaks where he plays Dr. Lawrence
2: Jacoby. And and for
0: looking like the guy from Star Crash.
2: I guess a little bit, yeah. I couldn't see him without seeing his older self, since uh, I'm such a Twin Peaks fan. And Amber Tamblyn's dad.
0: I I didn't know him. I was wondering. I mean, not exactly a horribly common name.
3: Well, they look the same. You can tell they're related.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm Uh, not exactly a big Amber Tamblyn fan, so I don't pick her out of a lineup.
3: Aw, you're missing out. Yeah.
1: So, uh, also Faye Compton as Mrs. Sanderson. Uh, she was also played Amelia in the 1951 Orson Welles version of Othello. Go ahead, Joel. Get it out of your
3: system. <laughs> I just imagine she had a baby, and the baby came out and was like straight out of Compton. <laughs> what the fucking named Ice Cube. Uh, sorry. Anyway,
1: where's the fucking
2: mute button on you? You asked for that. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I, I was, I was gonna, otherwise, you know. he would have done that damn giggling in the background the whole goddamn time. That means <laughs> something's on his mind. We don't want to know what that is. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh,
2: that uh, Ro- Rosalie
1: Crutchley, who played Mrs. Dudley in this one also, ha- was in such uh, films as Wuthering Heights and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, uh, Mrs. Beaumont, which is another show that we have to have on the list because they've just recently remade that as a TV show.
0: Yep, It's yep. on the list.
1: Uh, Lois Maxwell as Grace Maxley.
0: Markway. Uh, Markway. Mark oh wife. my
1: god, you're worse than my children. Thank you. God. Hey, you may know her from such movies as Hard to Forget, Martha, Ruth, and Eddie, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Eternal Evil, Lost and Found, The Persuaders, and the TV show that everybody remembers called UFO. Yeah, I'm just...
0: I know one of those shows. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I, I don't know
3: that, though.
1: And you also may know her as playing Miss Moneypenny from James Bond.
3: Oh! I didn't catch that.
1: I thought that was the one you guys were talking about, the one Uh big one.
3: No. Oh. No, I didn't catch that. Oh, oh my God! Yeah.
1: No, she's Miss Money Penny from Spy cool. Who Loved Me, Doctor No, Thunderball, Goldfinger. Very cool. The classic Money Penny. Did not uh, realize that. Yeah, that's a good Val- pull. Valentine Dial as Mr. Dudley, as the guy at the gate, uh, kept his credits to a lot of the weird movies: uh, City of the Dead, the bizarre where he played the mummy, uh, and the Tragedy of Carolinas TV movie. And something called Martin Luther Heretic, which I'm sure is awesome.
3: Uh, <laughs> I think I've seen that. Actually. I, I may have seen it
1: too. Diane Clare, Carrie Fredericks. I know her from movies as the Reluctant Debutante and also as playing Julie in The Avengers, the TV show.
3: I thought she looked familiar.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Ronald Adam as Eldridge Harper. Uh Again, kind of wacky. He did something called the Lavender Hill Mob in 1951 and something called Reach for the Sky, where he played Air Vice Marshal Lee. Reach for the Sky. There's yeah. a snake
3: naked in my boots.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what? I mean, a lot of old. Wait, what? Are you whatting me or are you whatting him? I'm wedding him. He may give us clarification. Stop whatting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is he Toy Story? Come on, dude. I've seen the first one. Yes. Yeah. But what he says when he pulls a string. Yeah. But what does oh. the sky? and then he says, there's a snake in my boots. Dude. Reference.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I saw that Not when it was in the theater. That was the last time I saw it. Not oh, a really? nice reference. Yep. Mm.
1: All right. Joel, you good? Yeah. Trivia. All right. Trivia. So d- director Martin Scorsese named this his favorite horror film.
2: Huh? What?
3: Yeah, I thought that was interesting.
2: That is interesting.
1: Uh, Robert Wise shot the film in black and white because he loved the depth and rich atmospheric quality of black and white and felt it would be perfect to enhance the moody psychological quality of the story. Uh, Also, Russ Tamlin was not very interested in playing the role of Luke Sanderson until MGM threatened him to resign his contract. (laughs) As as most people who are not enthusiastic about their job
2: get enthusiastic when they're led with, we'll fire you. Yeah, so this must have been under the old-school studio system where he was, like, attached to the studio, and they're just like, yeah, do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in this, uh, 63? Yeah.
1: Totally. Years later, he confirmed that Sanderson was his best role by far for
3: years. (laughs) Yeah, a little pressure, I'll, I'll do that to you. Yeah. And according
1: to Julie Harris, film censors demanded that Theo never be shown to touch Eleanor in order to keep the lesbianism less obvious. Nevertheless, they touched several times, including when Theo was sitting on her bed. The theme is reinforced when Eleanor calls Theo a mistake of nature.
3: I've been called that before. Doesn't mean I'm a lesbian.
1: It doesn't mean you're not a mistake.
3: <laughs> well, I can't argue that point. <laughs>
0: At least you're natural.
3: Yes, I was a
1: mistake. But you're, anyway, you're less a mistake than a Twinkie.
3: <laughs> what? Wait, what? Twinkies are unnatural. I get the line. Yeah. Straight out of Compton. Oh. <laughs> oh, God.
1: I rest my case. Um, That's one awesome. big Twinkie.
3: <laughs>
1: also, the famous shark contrast of the house against the dark sky and the clouds was created by using infrared film stock. Oh, interesting. So, question, is this the first viewing for any of us on this one? Yes. Yes. Joel?
3: Uh Yes.
1: No, what? What? Oh, right, come on! All the come old by. black and white movies I watched. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true.
1: Going up, you know, this is this is one of those that I, you know, you hear about at the haunting home oh, because it's one of those like when it came out it was oh man, this is going to be so terrifying. It's so scary. Oh, you have to sign a waiver otherwise you can't see. And that's it was in that kind of like thematic type thing because you can see and also the, you know, the um other movies that it asks. You know, if you like this one, you may like. The Legend of Hell House or The House on a Haunted Hill, you know, that sort of thing.
2: Um, I get it. It's sort of the film equivalent of competitive table tennis, which is something that, like, I figured you'd know about. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but thank you. Really? Competitive table tennis? No, not at all. It's one of those things. Whenever we talk about like football or basketball, like, you're like, no, and we're just like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's just fringe enough that it could be. That, I can see why you would think you would know that.
2: I mean, yeah. I totally, yeah, I totally believe that. I mean, com- completely
1: say, yeah, that you. I get it, but unfortunately, no, I don't. Okay, just not that specific one. But uh, yeah, no, I've seen this before. Uh, it's I actually kind of like this one. This is this is. I, and kind of for
0: well, the... if, you're, if you're scared by zooming and, and knocking noises, then yeah, this is the movie for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, if the filmmaking's fine, the acting's a little uneven. Some good performances, some bad. I mean, the sets are really cool.
0: <laughs> Both of those are from the same actor. The good and the bad performances.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, and that's the thing is the the problem is is that it's just kind of a little dull.
1: Well, you got to look at it in the framework of 63. I mean, 63 was though that was kind of like it started up that shock horror what they could get away with type of thing. I I personally think that in 63 if you had seen this for the first time, it would have been a you know, I I think it would have done really well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get that, but by 63 the original run of the Twilight Zone was almost done. So it's not like they discovered what scary things were in like 1970 or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one was ever scared until The
2: Exorcist was made.
0: So Right. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my God.
0: Like, what is this feeling?
1: <laughs> it's uh, Some of the cool things about this one is uh, when it was released, Patrick, a theater in Houston, Texas, uh, promoted the film as so chilling and it held a contest to see which of four patrons could sit all the way through a midnight screening for $100. Oh,
0: without falling asleep.
3: The... <laughs> oh, <laughs> i mean you know it it does have some some 60s pacing if we're gonna use that term um and julie, Harrison, they just did. <laughs> julie harris's character <laughs> is a little
0: don't throw us under the bus like we're the one if we're gonna use that term
3: if we're gonna we always say 70s pacing this so is like
1: with joel this is like when you say i don't want to be racist
3: but <laughs> and then patrick says something Um,
0: well, those japs sure can't drive,
3: yeah. Julie Harris's character was confusing to say the least,
0: yes. Um, Also, badly acted and uh, badly written Mm
3: -hmm. because every time I see you know things for this posters or the trailer, and I'm like, you know, I really need to see that at some point. And I've heard it put on a lot of people's top lists for directors. Um, you know, she's always mentioned, and as soon as I started it, I was ready to see some sort of performance out of her that I was going to be like, oh, wow, okay, I get it now.
2: Show me and some chops.
3: The, and by the end of it, I was like, okay, I, wh- why, why would he pick her? And she just had a litany of problems.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get that uh, the, one of the appeals of the original novel that it's very ambiguous whether there's ever anything supernatural going on at all or how much of it's in her own mind or maybe there's something paranatural where her mind is causing this stuff but like you don't make that ambiguity happen by just making the character confusing like i don't know what sort of person you're supposed to be
1: i think what this one is is that it's a stepping stone to psychological horror you know it's not honed by the least bit, but it was I think, honestly, this is more of like an experiment, Uh, you know, like they didn't really learn how to do the internal voice thing
2: yeah, what I've read about the original novel, I, I think that they tried to make a slavishly accurate interpretation of the novel, but maybe didn't quite get the novel 100% so they like hit all the main beats but the stuff they changed for the screen maybe wasn't the right stuff Just Mm kind of my take on how this could have happened.
1: Well, and again, it's that experimental type of thing where they're like, you know, oh, we're taking this novel, turning it into a movie. It's a psychological horror novel. I mean, in which we're, you know, we know that can be written because she did, you know, like we said before, she did the lottery, which was really disturbing when you read it. And I think there was just a attempt to create that that psych horror that would come from reading a book into the theater. And I think that's the first
3: baby steps of that genre. And I mean, there's some things that, that work, um, but the house specifically as a character, but like the sound of the, the noises outside the the room just sound, they, they weren't as effective as I think they thought they were. And maybe in the theater, it would have had a different effect, but even on a surround sound, I didn't felt strange. Like it didn't work.
2: Well, yeah. And when they were laughing about it sounding like someone was knocking on the door with a cannonball. I was like, that's why it sounded so weird. That is what it sounded like.
1: Mm-hmm. And okay, let's just talk about Russ Tamlin's character here. Luke. Was he just there to play the I'm gonna make I'm making money and I'm gonna make vaguely sexual comments about the girls the whole time? Yeah, I mean that seems a, yeah. Okay.
0: Good. <laughs> I, just I really thinking. do think yeah, that's what his <laughs> character was. Yeah.
1: Russ, just be yourself, man. <laughs> I do have to say that. I mean,
2: the man had an amazing head of hair. Right. So, And he did have that walking the line between legitimately charming and kind of skeevy, mm-hmm. which did make him a, one of the more interesting of the four characters.
0: Yeah, because you never really knew what side of the fence he was on.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I think it made him the, more, the
1: most interesting of him because the whole time he's kind of like, he's he's looking at the house as dollar signs. I mean, like okay. when they find the library, his whole commentary on that is, man, if I sell this place for, You know, 25 cents a book, I'd make a mint. You know, but at the same time, he gets on the the spiral staircase, which you see again in all... All the movies. Reiterations of this. Yeah, the spiral staircase is a recurring theme. You know, he he does toe that line of, maybe there is something kind of freaky going on around here. You know, I could live in this house. I could make money off this house. I could put a go-go dancing thing in the... Like, he wanted to have dancers coming down the spiral staircase. But at the same time, you see him, like you said, bounce between that... Is, is there really something happening here? Um,
0: well, he, if- he, he plays the role of the everyman, you know, as far as like you, you see the hit, you know, you get to react to all the craziness through his eyes because he's the one that, you know, obviously Nell's going nuts. The doctor is kind of in on the whole thing. And well, Theo is just Theo. Yeah. So he kind of is supposed to play the role of, you know, the, the guy who's kind of cynical, but, you know, not closed minded.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I'm cynical, but I know when I need to run.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Theo's actually got, you know, powers, so to speak. Yeah. Um, one of the things that ability. I think.
1: abilities Yes. One of the things Josh and I were talking about before we started recording was uh, there's a lot of it's just, I don't wanna say ripoffs, but nods. Lines from this movie that will carry over into the next two movies. Uh, m- m- first one I notice is if, uh, when we watch the ninety nine version is the, I don't come around here at night.
0: Yeah, about. no one will hear you at night. No one comes after dark. At night,
1: night. Uh, the there dark. was that. That's played off again in the ninety nine ninety nine version. But there's also lines like, I feel like I'm in the belly of a giant monster and it can feel me moving. That's yeah, there's a
3: lot of. There's Reference. a lot of lines that are
1: taken from this one that are definitely, I mean, it's specifically said word for word in the uh, TV show.
3: Oh, you yeah. To the house yeah. being a, a creature who's eating them.
1: Mm-hmm. There's that one, and then there's also the uh, 300 million years have created
3: this predator.
2: Yeah. The, this, that, yeah. Let's see what kind of martinis it makes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that.
3: Well, and there's a lot of references to uh, the the dead children. Specifically, the one scene where she keeps talking about, you know, I'm not going to let you harm a child.
0: Well, that was the 99 one.
3: No, uh, they did it in this too.
0: Oh, did they? I didn't. I noticed it more than 99 one.
3: Yeah, where she's in the bedroom and she's looking at the wall and you can almost see like a face in the the architecture.
1: Where could and you it, not see a face in the architecture in this place?
3: <laughs> and and in the it, doorways. It, she kept hearing the, the children's voices.
2: Yeah. Are we almost ready to move to the 99? Yeah. That's a,
3: yeah. Okay, well,
0: let's start with that line that I'm not going to let you harm a child. That really annoyed me because I was like, uh, he pretty much already did. They're dead.
1: Hate to break it to you, but you're a little bit
2: late to the party.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm not going to let you harm a child. Uh, There's no child around here for him to harm because they're all dead.
2: That didn't even register with me considering by that point the entire movie was a Windows 95 screensaver. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, when the Flying Toasters
3: came out, I was like, dude.
2: So do we want to run down the cast before we start
1: ripping it apart for shitty CGI? So The Haunting, 1999. We are looking at when Eleanor, Theo, and Luke decide to take part in a sleep study at a huge mansion. They get more than they bargained for when Dr. Morrow tells them of the ghost house or the ghost housely past. The ghost housely (laughs) past. This is directed by Jean de Bont. Speed. Uh, I'm going to say it like that because it sounds better. That is all. He has a
3: very short resume.
1: Yeah. John DeBond. Things that he has done. The Haunting. Speed. Uh, Twister. Now, how does somebody... Oh, he, he produced the... Haunting. Speed 2. Speed 2. And Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life.
3: Yep. The sequel, not the original. Mm.
1: Yeah, he's got, what, five five films to his credit, I think? Yeah, five,
3: five directions to his credit, and two that are pretty good. Speed and Twister. I mean, Twister's fun. Speed is, is, a, is a solid action movie that was original at the time. Yeah. It was so, in copied. But... Uh,
0: I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> uh, writing credits are David Self, which is an unfortunate name. Uh, but again, he wrote The Haunting. He wrote well, The Wolfman, uh, the new in 2010 version. But he also wrote The Road to Perdition, you know, which is a pretty damn good movie. He, only, he doesn't have a lot of credits also. Haunting, 13 Days, Road to Perdition, Beyond, the TV movie. I don't know what that is. Hmm. Uh, came out in 2006 and has absolutely nothing on there anyway. Moving on. Again, credits writing to Shirley Jackson. Uh, Liam Neeson is Dr. David Merrill. And Theo is Catherine Zeta-Jones. Owen Wilson as Luke Sanderson. Wow. Lily Miller as... Did you just notice it was Owen Wilson right now?
2: No, he oh, wow. was doing the wow. wow. Thing. Oh,
1: he was doing the Owen Wilson thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: It was Woody Allen as Owen Wilson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. That's ridiculous. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bless it. Moving on. We've also got Lily Taylor as Nell, who I think
2: was pretty damn good. Well, I like her in general, but I'm used to seeing her as middle-aged Lily Taylor, not young and kind of hot Lily Taylor. So that that surprised me.
1: That is kind of the thing about her on this one, wasn't it? Yeah, she was the best part of the movie.
2: Yeah, and it's not like it's the only movie she did when she was young. She also had a couple in the 80s. But like, I'm most used to her career like more recently, like in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And sticking with the horror stuff, too. Uh, Bruce Dern as Mr. Dudley.
1: And Marion Seldes. Sel, Seldes? Sounds good. She looked familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's known for such things as Mona Lisa Smile and Home Alone 3. The Journey hmm. Home. The Journey Home. Yes, Home Alone 3. Home <laughs> Alex Korozmay as Mary Lombetta. Uh,
3: you may recognize the, her from uh, 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 Nightwalk uh, with Ian McGregor. Night Watch with Ewan McGregor and Gary Beese or uh no, not Gary Busey,
2: mm-hmm. Jake Busey, Nulti,
3: Nick Nolte, Brad Dourif. Where he's the Night Watchman and uh, the morgue. I don't I think I ever saw that. Made yeah. you guys watch that movie? I don't know what you're talking about. You did I kind of remember her from Mimic? Yep, she's in that too.
1: Yeah, and the only reason I remember Mimic is because going to see that with Jay because he thought we were going to see Starship Troopers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, you want to go see the movie with the big bugs in it? All right, cool. Let's go see that. And he goes there about halfway through it. He looks at me and goes, when are they going to space?
3: I care what who are you silly man. I know.
1: Virginia Madsen as Jane. We forgot Todd Field, the poor man's Richard Prattrick. Oh, yeah. missing him. Todd Field is Todd Hackett. They couldn't afford changes. Left. What a
0: weird role for Virginia Madsen to take. Right? Like, why did, why did she need that role? Paycheck? She's like, well, I needed a new car,
1: but, uh, so, and
0: I had, I had an afternoon off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had an afternoon off. They needed 10 lines. I was okay. Uh, so trivia, Stephen King wrote the first draft of the script and it fell through and he re- reworked it into Rose red. Hmm. Okay. I have not seen it. cool.
3: I've heard Rose redness is good, but I've not seen it. Okay.
1: I haven't either. I have. It's pretty good. Cool. Uh, the second adaptation of the book was going to be titled The Haunting of Hill House, which was the original novel title. It was shortened to The Haunting to avoid confusion with House on a Haunted Hill. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: That, yeah. Same year.
1: Probably what happened in 63, too.
0: Yeah. Good thing they did that. So there would be no confusion at all.
1: Yeah. House on a Haunting Hill. That was the third movie. Nobody saw that one. The-, <laughs> <laughs> the other ones. Uh, this, and the hills, hills are
0: haunted with haunted houses.
3: The haunt the, on Housing Hill. <laughs> <laughs> hill, Hill,
1: haunt, haunt. Uh, <laughs>
0: hill Street haunts.
1: Oh, I'd watch that.
3: <laughs> be uh, it's this,
0: all about a bunch of ghost cops.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, I would watch rude. that. Ghost cops. <laughs> oh, I totally watch that. That's that, oh, you got
1: a you got a uh, uh, a police station that's haunted by cops that have died in the line of duty and are keeping the other cops safe. Call Hollywood. <laughs> hey, this is Hollywood. I can help you. This is Francis. Stop calling this number. I'm not
0: Hollywood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hollywood. Oh, this is not a remake of the Robert Wise movie. Uh, Wait, as- are you what?
0: are you trying to tell me you're not working on the other movies we've called you about? <laughs> Stop,
1: I'm an accountant. <laughs> is
2: that a no? Actually, but Frankie, Hollywood. we heard you went to Hollywood. <laughs> Oh, come on. Relax, (laughs) Joel.
0: There you go.
1: Nice. I don't want you two going to war. Too deep. Sorry, I ruined it. So uh, this isn't a remake of the Robert Wise classic movie. This is a production company. did not have the remake rights. They were not allowed to replicate even one shot from the 1963 film. Instead, This is a new adaptation of the Shirley Jackson novel. I call bullshit. I call bullshit too. Because it was very much a remake
0: of the movie all the the same setting and all the same characters yeah
1: you know what let's just toss in a spiral staircase made out of cast iron let's just do ours
0: falls apart though so it's totally different and it's
1: a
3: double it's not a single it's a double
1: it's a double and it just this one falls apart instead of just shaking you know and then uh uh we have ghosts they
0: have ghosts yeah
2: Yeah. he he gets he gets killed by a giant lion head which I mean, they basically just showed the work print before all the CGI, which was just Luke Wilson standing in a fireplace going, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Steven Spielberg
1: apparently had something to do with this movie, but it was so disgusted by the quality of the final product of the film that he removed his name and then said, do not mention me.
0: (laughs) Take this and burn it.
1: (laughs) Yes. I make sure I am not connected to this movie. At all. The credits have absolutely no single mention of him, even though apparently he was involved in some way. Okay. So in the yeah.
0: Beside- <laughs> if you put my name on this, I will bury you.
3: He, he's like, I will eat your children. Yeah.
0: I'm Steven Spielberg.
1: I'm gonna get E.T. to come and beat your ass.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna Schindler to your list. All right. Too
1: anyway. far. Too yep. far.
0: Yep. Yeah, watch you make an MLK joke while you're at it. <laughs>
1: In the behind-the-scenes oh, exactly. feature, Owen Wilson <laughs> says that during the scene where he's beating the painting with a candlestick, as the hero that he is, a piece of it came off and hit him in the face, and he had to get stitches. Wow. Now, was the it
3: the candlestick.
2: painting or the candlestick? Uh, definitely the candlestick. It was trying to warn him to get off the set of this movie. <laughs> he didn't get a clue. <laughs> it was actually out. a friendly, friendly ghost. Yeah.
3: Leave now, <laughs> Mr. Lumiere. Or your career. <laughs> <Lumiere. will die. laughs> you must wow. go.
1: That was it. Uh, wow. Okay, that's that's all I get. So, um, first viewing for anyone? and Yeah, anybody seen this
2: before?
0: Yeah, I hate to admit, I saw this in the theater.
2: I didn't Ooh. see it in the theater, but I, I had seen it once before. Uh, and I, I might. Memory of it was not as negative as it is now. Well, my, my, Yeah, I saw it with Angela. We went and saw it,
0: and we were both like, that was not good.
3: <laughs> I literally had to erase this film from my mind because Laura and I sat down to watch it, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this. And as we're watching it, I'm like, I remember those wooden children head, like cherub heads turning. No. And when the fireplace happened, I'm like, I remember that, too. I'm like, holy crap, I've seen this.
1: I remember the only thing I remember about seeing this is Owen Wilson standing in a fireplace and getting hit by a lion head.
0: The very first time that the cherub heads like when when the spirit appeared and they cut to the cherub heads and they were normal and they cut away and they cut back and they're like, "Whoa!" that was kind of a cool effect. And then they decided, well, let's overuse the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what they did with everything. We're like, "Okay, we that effect was kind of cool. Let's overdo the shit out of it.
2: Mm-hmm. The movie's quality is inversely proportional to how much CGI they used. Like yeah. at the beginning, it's not actually terrible. Like some of the lines are not very well written, but it's decently acted and it's creepy. And the set is awesome. Well, oh yeah, That was amazing. Yeah. Give it credit where it's due. The house was badass in this one, but then it just gets to the point where the movie's 80% awful 90s CGI.
0: Although I do want to know why there is no there's absolutely no decay at all in this house, as much as it's abandoned and whatever. I mean the Dudleys don't wipe down every single counter and every single everything. They're not in there working the you know, the mechanics of the carousel room and making sure the water is crystal clear in the book path and all that kind of crap.
3: You don't know that life. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a lot of liberties there, sir.
1: Hey, yeah, I mean Bruce Dern is a weird dude. I mean, they, he may they may have told him the movie was going on, like hired him a year before, and he just showed up and started taking care of the place.
0: Yeah, but Bruce <laughs> Dern would probably fill that, you know, that the the book path with iced tea instead of water.
2: That book path was cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. it really was.
2: Well, and but it made no of,
0: sense that it was so pristine and like no mildew, no anything. You know,
3: that they didn't slip on it every time they ran across it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just
3: yeah. water and books, best friends. <laughs>
0: Everybody knows that.
3: Well, and speaking <laughs> of overused CGI, the whole uh, curtain effect, where the curtains kept blowing and there was a ghost. ghost oh
0: yeah, ghost in babies curtain. in the curtains.
3: Yeah, that was almost
1: as bad as the uh, the stained glass trying to eat her. Yeah, just really oh
0: my
2: god. I mean
3: it. It, it okay. harkens back to the Scorpion King or the first Blade movie, which Blade is a great film, but the CGI <laughs> is terrible.
2: Yeah, embarrassingly
1: bad. It Was terrible. Yeah. Probably great film my my thing about this one is the the big twist is what do you mean you got a message from me i never sent you a message to come here
0: Ooh, oh, who oh, was oh, the house has its own stamps
1: the whole the house has an email account what the hell <laughs> well
3: they shouldn't have called liam mesa anyway he's got a special set of skills next thing you know he's going to come back and kill them all well, they're already dead, but mm-hmm. and what was up with Lily Taylor's death? i I
0: she ran into a tree.
3: No, that's the first one, dummy. Uh, all, the, all the all the cherub ghosts, uh, speaking of which, we never talked about, uh, how, um, the guy that was hosting the whole thing, his wife showed up, is the one that ended up causing the death of Julie Harris. Oh, yeah. But, running around like, whoa, <laughs> hiding in the ceiling. Boop. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, no, I want
0: to be the ghost lady in the ceiling.
3: <laughs> the end where the, the, the chair babies are going up to heaven or whatever. And they all still look like they're made out of wood from the walls. Right. And Lily Taylor looks like Lily Taylor, but you can see through her and she can fly. I'm like, what?
0: That's right. She was
2: in the door. I forgot about that. Right, Why because the children the were actually carved from woods. That's the thing. He <laughs> killed a are... bunch of Pinocchios. <laughs>
3: that's what I was just going to say. It was Geppetto. <laughs> you,
1: know, you know what I have to say about this, especially for Lily Taylor, is you go to her IMDB page, and it's Lily Taylor. There's four slots for Known For, and it's American Crime, The Conjuring, I Shot Andy Warhol, and nothing.
3: That's, that's it. it. That's, that's terrible, because he's got a a, a really good record yeah I mean, at least history
2: at least google has uh say anything and hemlock grove and mystic pizza six feet under yeah oh I yeah mean,
3: most people nowadays know her from the conjuring just because i mean it was a big film but she's got, yeah. she's got a good resume i like i like lily taylor
1: yeah she's i mean she she fills an itch she hemlock grove she almost.
3: oh i've never seen it i've i've wanted to hemlock grove yeah i've heard good things about it it's a eli roth thing
2: it's okay i watched the entire first season it's okay it's it's good background tv
3: so you're saying it's decent i should watch it mm, Background mm,
2: TV. i know a bunch of other stuff you haven't watched and it's way to the back of the line
3: yeah it's not at the top of my list honestly
1: 1999 steven spielberg had done jurassic park and the thing that gets me is like jurassic park was what six years ago after this
3: Six years
2: prior. Yeah. Yeah. Compare the that, CGI between the two. Holy crap.
3: That is like.
1: No.
2: <laughs>
3: it's. I don't know. The CGI in Tron might have been better. Oh, but wh- the thing that
1: I like that I think what happened with this is that this is the point in time where the CGI animation software, the cost of it finally dropped down to a point where people could afford it. And that's why you suddenly had all these.
2: This looked like the Lawnmower Man, and I had to just Google how... Or, uh, lawnmower Man was 92. Ooh.
0: <laughs> everybody, everybody is out there like, I'm a CGI. <laughs> everybody
1: loves CGI. Why don't you try some CGI?
3: I'm wondering who did the effects on this one. Talk amongst yourselves. See, and they could have taken a note from the first one, because the first one really didn't show you anything. It was all sound cues, and then there was a couple of, you know, the momentary scares with the wife at the end.
0: Yeah, but this but is just an that, example of the egregious overuse of CGI when it first became popular.
3: Well, yeah, this was the sure. opposite. We're going to show you everything.
0: Yeah. and Because we can. Because we, we got these computers now and we can do all this stuff, and we don't have to build practical effects, and it's going to be cool, it's going to look awesome, and nobody was like, you know, uh, maybe this isn't as good as we think it is. <laughs>
3: Yeah, there there was no... It was just excessive and unnecessary. Because if they would have removed all the CGI and just done that stuff with practical effects and you know, sounds and, and made it more atmospheric, it, it might have been a better movie. It, I think it would have been good.
0: What was the point of having the statue in the pool try to drown Liam Neeson <sighs> if you're not going to drown him all the way? And what was the point of him spitting blood up on him? Yes. At all. And what was yeah. the point of having a statue in the pool and why did we watch this movie?
1: I mean, the statue in the pool looked cool. The, yeah, the statue in the pool was pretty damn cool.
0: It was cool, but what well, why I mean, who would really do that? Who would put that in there? I mean, I mean I guess Ukraine might, I guess. I might. Yeah, I don't know. But yes, I still don't understand why it came to life and only put him underwater for 30 seconds. And they was like, ah, gotcha.
3: <laughs> Get out of my house.
0: <laughs> and they You're gave well. him a noogie and moved on.
3: <laughs> the <a> blood noogie. <laughs> just like high school, all over again.
0: Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm amazed the statues weren't given wedgies and stuff, you know?
3: <laughs> That's why the little cherubs had that look on their face. <laughs> He's behind the wall. He's like, huh? huh? <laughs> Give him a little wood wedgies.
0: Ukraine was really just a giant Nelson going around just giving all these kids wedgies <laughs> all the time.
3: That's the, atomic wedge. That,
0: that's what the X that's what the cross stood for. You know, in the book. He every time he gave a kid a wedgie, he'd cross their name out and put a little wedgie sign. I gave him a wedgie.
3: <laughs> 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 he made the noise too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: the we noise so
2: derailed. <laughs> <laughs> that's the wedgie noise.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm sorry. Did you want to talk about the virtues of this movie? <laughs> no, I think I wanted to go to break so we could talk about something worth watching.
3: Well, if it, the one thing I can say about the original on this one. Uh, it made me appreciate the, the, the new one.
2: Yeah. And they did sell. Yeah, we'll get to that. Cause they salvaged yeah. the best stuff besides the fact that the cast was legitimately amazing. So it's real frustrating to see that something with these actors was so bad because they overused bad special effects
3: and good source material that they didn't put to good use.
0: And yeah, yeah and and any of, a lot of the changes that they made just made no sense. There was no reason for some of the changes they did.
1: Okay, so here's here's the connection to Spielberg. The visual effects were done by something called Tippett Studio and Industrial Light and Magic. So, wow. Tippett, oh, okay. So that's why he was like, "All right, I want." This is what happens when I let the uh, interns do shit. I was
3: going to say he's got the interns cousins that are there on the weekend.
1: Now I'm looking at Tippett studio.
3: After you're done mopping, can you do some uh, effects for this movie? (laughs) Okay. They did. They've done
1: effects in solo, a star Wars story. They did a Jurassic park Jeep commercial. What? Yeah. MS paid. Lemony Snicket. I don't even know. Um, They're still around, but
3: Well, everybody's got to start somewhere, you know. But this was not a good place to start. (laughs) Kiki.
2: So yeah, let's let's just go to break. Or I'm just going to start yelling CGI bad every 15 seconds until (laughs) we do. (laughs) Oh, cool. Hang on. (laughs) Ten, nine, eight,
0: seven. Kiki. CGI bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the reason we actually wanted to do this show. And it's the Haunting of Hill House 2018 uh, TV show that is on Netflix. Uh, if you are worried about spoilers, you should be. There's going to be a lot of them. We can't help it. It just happens. You've you had a year to, to watch it, so I have no uh, pity on you. No uh, we will be back in a little bit. And uh, thank you. Geek <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's not the sound that it happened every time I got a wedgie you in a. It was more like a.
0: Well, I well that's <laughs> w- w- when I gave out wedgies. That was the sound, the accompanying sound. geek. <laughs> I like I like to be entertaining while I you know.
3: Now I'm terrified.
1: No, I'm going to give you a wedgie, but I want you to put this horn down your pants first.
3: <laughs> and hold this rubber chicken. I'm going to be Roscoe Pico Train.
0: Trust me, <laughs> it's going to suck for you. It's going to be funny for everybody else.
1: All right, 2018, Haunting of Hill House, flashing between past and present, multiple, multiple times. A fractured family confronts haunting memories of their old home and the terrifying
2: events that drove them from it.
0: That's actually a pretty good synopsis. It is.
2: Yeah, it, by necessity, has to leave a bunch out. This is, this is about so much more.
1: Mm.
2: Like I said, there's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's the basic skeleton. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to give people warnings. I said it before. There is going to be spoilers on this.
2: So, yeah, if you're interested in watching that, pause the podcast, watch 10 episodes, come back. You'll thank us for telling you that. Right. Yes. Spoilers. I think we all loved it.
3: Yeah. Let's just cut to the end. Eh. (laughs) We're going to jump around like the show. Yeah. (laughs) Patrick flashes back to
1: I don't even know what you would flash back to it. Would would be appropriate in this situation. Yeah, let's,
0: not, let's not discuss my flashbacks.
2: We'll do that in the dating show. Uh, so directed by <laughs> slightly less depressing than Luke Crane. <laughs> ding ding. Maybe. Uh, Mike Flanagan. Uh, Mike well,
0: I'm Flanagan. not done yet, Josh. Yeah.
2: So. Oh,
1: uh, this man uh, has done outside of the haunting of Hill House. Uh, he has directed such m- shows and movies as uh, Hush. Ouija, the origin of evil, uh, Oculus, oh. and, and currently pre-production of something called Midnight Mass,
3: and just completed the Shining sequel called Doctor Sleep. Which uh, he's, if you haven't seen Gerald's Game, which is another Stephen King adaptation on Netflix with uh, Carlo Gugino, it's excellent. And Before I Wake is beautiful. Like you don't say that about horror movies too often, but. It's ah. it's pretty it's pretty like the imagery used in it is is amazing. And hush was good too, as was Oculus. Absentia is the only one of his that I did not care for.
1: Yeah. Which means I'd probably like it.
3: It was it was early on. Yeah. It had a good concept, but yeah. Uh
1: writing credits on this one, uh going from the bottom up, Elizabeth Ang Fan, Scott Kozar, Rebecca Klingel, Chase K. Stramis, Smith, whoo Jeff Howard, Meredith Averill, Shirley Jackson, and Mike Flanagan also. Uh, Shirley Jackson wrote the big chunk of them. She had uh, a hand in all 10 episodes uh, along with her. She was also the writer of The Haunting 1999. She was part of that group also. But
0: well, she wrote the original book what?
1: Yeah. Oh, shit. Man, I am got to cut back on the bourbon today.
3: I was going to say, <laughs> we just damn. talked about this twice. Woo-wee. All
1: right, let's move on to the
3: cast. Who's Shirley Jackson?
1: Yeah, <laughs> he wrote a book. Uh so Hugh <laughs> Crane.
0: <laughs>
3: They're going to need a
1: crane. Young Hugh Crane uh, is played by Henry Thomas. Uh you may know him from such things as Elliot Eliot and Davey Osborne from Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, ET and oh, I love that
3: movie.
1: Uh, Cloak and Dagger?
3: I fucking love Cloak and Dagger. It yeah, is so, so bad good. but I love it too. Yes, yeah. It is it's, it's when, one of my childhood, like, like
1: wish fulfillment
3: kind of movies. It's,
1: when Dabney Coleman's chased down by the giant D20. that's
3: <laughs> It's fantastic.
1: Back it, when
0: Dabney Coleman was cool.
1: Shut your mouth. You will not speak ill of Dabney Coleman.
0: In the 80s were a different time. You know? <laughs> Dabney Coleman could play a spy. You know?
1: He's got you there.
3: <laughs> shut up. I love that movie. Anyway.
1: Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, also, Oliver Jackson Cohen is Luke Crane uh, as the same name. A lot of name carryovers. There's a Luke in this one. There's, this, you know, back and forth. He's also played killer in faster and Eddie Vogel in what's your number? So this is his. I want to say, honestly, this is more like his big breakout breakout. Uh, he was in a show yeah. called Emerald City, uh, which was a Wizard of Oz huh. type of thing. But uh, I don't, it's, I think for the fact that Josh is going, huh, kind of, he plays Lucas in that. So, um, but I think this is one that he's really going to get noticed for, for many, many reasons. Kate Siegel is Theodora Crane. Theo, again, carrying over the names, who is known for Hush uh, as the previous roles. Also, yeah. Sally in Gerald's game. Uh,
2: going. Yeah, off. so she's worked with Mike Flanagan a lot. Yeah. She's also yeah. his wife. Yes. Oh, well, there you go.
0: Yeah, that would
3: explain
2: <laughs> the, their, that would that explain their collaborations. Yeah, go. Oculus as well. That's another one. That's Mike Flanagan and her. So, mm. I kind of liked Oculus. Karen Gillian, uh, Victoria
1: per- Pedretti. Uh, she played Nell Crane in this. Uh, also known for such things as You and Soul. And Joel would be, be vibrating if I didn't say this. But once upon a time in Hollywood, where she played Lulu. I mean, she was a pretty bit part in that. I know, but I figure anything that mentions something having to do with him is... Uh, Quentin
3: Tarantino, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Have you seen it yet, Joel?
3: No. Me oh, either.
1: Shame. I know. Yeah. I
3: know.
1: All right. Also in this is Michael Huisman, Stephen Crane, uh, known for Age of Adeline, something called The Flight Attendant that's in pre-production, and Dario Naharis, in Game of Thrones?
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the second Daryon The second. Did I say that right? Yeah. Oh, well, no. They recast him. Yeah. Oh. The original guy was only there for one season, and then they recast him. Mm. And he played a completely different looking actor. Yeah, right? He played it through the rest of the series.
1: Oh. He was also in a TV miniseries called Harley and the David- Davidsons, which sounds...
3: a booth, I believe.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, can't have everything. Carla Gugino as Olivia Crane, Elizabeth Reeser
2: as Shirley. We're we're just going past Carla Gugino, who's like the second biggest actor in the whole thing, Mm -hmm. right?
3: Yeah, she's had a resurgence. Yeah, she's had a big resurgence over the past five to ten years. Ever since like Sin City, she came back in a big way.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly where I put. Yeah, from Sin City to American Gangster, then the probably Gerald's Game, of course Watchmen. Yeah, she
3: huge resurgence
1: post-production called Gunpowder Milkshake.
3: Sounds interesting to me.
1: Directed by Navat Papashito. Secret Sisterhood comes to the rescue of a
2: mother-daughter assassin team. Huh.
3: Mm, I'm interested. It's got
2: Angela Bassett and Michelle Yeoh. I'm all, and Karen Gillen. I am all in on this. And Lena Hetty. What is this? Yeah, I'm officially intrigued now. See,
1: things you would discover if you were listening <laughs> to this show. Uh, Yeah, Elizabeth Reaser as Shirley Crane, who has been in Twilight as Esme Cullen, Ellis Zander, and Ouija, Origin of Evil, and uh, embattled Handmaid's Tale, Haunting of Hill House, as we've been saying, Easy, Pam Bosnich, Law and Order, True Crime. There
3: you
2: go.
1: Lots of stuff. Lulu Wilson as young Shirley.
2: Yeah, another uh, Ouija uh, alum. Which is another Mike Flanagan joint, mm-hmm. and also Annabelle Creation.
3: Yeah, Ouija was a sequel.
2: You know what I think about this is that
1: everybody in this seems to have some great horror chops. They know how to pull it off, type of thing. Uh, McKenna Grace is young Theo. Uh, she has been in stuff things as Annabelle Comes Home, I, Tonya, and Gifted. So the kids were really good, good at good children actors in this one. And I think. Also, they did a really good job of making sure that the kids actually looked like their future counterparts.
0: I agree. Yes, mm-hmm. like, I agree. You know, I, I normally am one of the one of them who takes issue with bad acting in children, and there was no real standout bad acting by any of the kids. In this. No, they were all
3: on point. No, and I'd say
2: with big projects, that's something you're seeing more and more of. Like the last five, 10 years where the children who are actors, they're not just like, yeah, just get some kid. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like right? there's some legit kid actors now.
1: Oh, yeah. Like uh, Pac, well, this one, Paxton Singleton, who played young Steven, uh, did a great job of it. He's been in Chicago Med, Alice Fades Away, and a bunch of other stuff for the, his age. Uh, also, they did a great job because he actually looks like he should be uh, Henry, Th- uh, Henry Thomas's kid.
3: Yeah, that was something that I noticed, too, that he specifically looked like he was a mix of the two of them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, all the children look like they belong to these parents, which is, you know, good research on that. Uh, Julian Hillard, who I think was my favorite of the kids, uh, as young Luke. Uh, the Conjuring 3, Penny Dreadful, City of City of something, City of Angels. It's a TV series that's just been announced uh, and also going to be in 2019's, or going to be, it's been released, uh, The Color Out of Space. Oh, cool. He plays Jack Gardner, who, and I'm jumping into this because it's H.P. Lovecraft, Nick Cage, Tommy Chong, Julian Hillard, Elliot Knight, what?
2: I'm not sure if that makes me more intrigued or less. Yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of sure, unsure too. Directed by Richard Stanley.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that, that intrigues me. He's an interesting huh. character. <laughs> Hardware. Yeah, that's what most people know Richard Stanley for. But
1: I Remember you used to have the poster of that hanging up in the dorm room? Yep. All right. Uh, sorry, went down a hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Violet McG- McGraw is young Nell. Uh, again, doing a great job. The kids are just amazing, this one. She was fantastic. Uh, she was shopping cart kid in Ready Player One.
3: Oh, yeah, I remember. No, I don't know.
1: No, you don't. Yeah, she's, I mean, Haunting of Hill House before this, she had a a couple parts in some other TV shows. She is actually going to be in Doctor Sleep also.
3: I mean, she's like, what, six? Yeah. she's. Yeah, But she
1: killed it for an actress her age. Oh, she totally did. She, I mean, and that's the thing is that all the kids in this one did just an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Timothy Hutton as
3: old Hugh Crane who towed the line beautifully between somebody with like a, almost like a PTSD and still trying to retain controls. Yeah. And some of like, keep some of it, his kids from being affected by what truly happened. Like he's still playing it under the, you know, close to the chest. Like,
0: and he really, I mean, he really did do what he thought was best by keeping them, you know, in the dark about most of the worst
1: yeah, we we got to get we'll get to this after we go we finish up yeah, with I'm
0: this sorry. one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> All right, yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh Anthony is Kevin Harris, uh may know him from playing Shumiji in Starship Troopers <laughs> and in, in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> he played What did he play in Tropic Thunder? Uh scrolling 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 scrolling. I, he played platoon sergeant shot in head.
3: <laughs> you never go full shot in the head.
1: Literally his character's name in that one. Uh, but he the uh, Kevin Harris, uh, Lee Crane is played by Samantha Sloyan. Sloyan? Sloyan, yeah. Slo- Sloyan? Sloyan. Uh, Sloyan? Sloyan. Also from Grey's Nikolai. Anatomy. Nikolai. Ne- <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't know. Sloyan
3: Green is people.
1: Uh, for, also from Hush, Grey's Anatomy, and something called No Shoulder. Annabelle Geish. Annabeth. Annabeth. D- Annabeth, Annabeth Geish. Yeah. She was from Mystic Pizza and Beautiful
2: Girls. That's where I rem- recognize her yeah, from. 1996, yep.
1: Beautiful Girls, Before I Wake, 2016. Um, currently uh, in something called, completed called Butter. Mm. Huh.
3: She, she was another one that was really well cast.
1: And also uh, the X Files, Monica Race. She was in multiple, one, two, three. She was in. She took over for Scully.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, was hoping uh, you'd mention that.
1: <laughs> of course, and uh, Mr. Dudley as Lo- Robert Robert Longstreet. I'm sorry, Robert Longstreet as Mr. Dudley. A great, uh, just thought he was amazing in this one. Uh, he is good coming, lord.
3: His yeah. monologue in the basement was worth oh, the price of admission alone.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. That was a hell of a scene.
1: Insane. Um, he is currently also going to be coming out as Barry in Doctor Sleep uh something called the immortal jellyfish and uh has a great uh going uh, going back uh resume of just all sorts of like just short films really to start out with but uh he did a great job and olive elise ambercromie as abigail for one episode the little blonde girl who was also in something called dandelion
3: well she was and... in the background here and there but
1: yeah, yeah. She was she just sort really of floating. We really didn't see her until the final episode, final couple episodes, but, uh, Dandelion and something called red light runner. She's only has three credits to her name, but I think she's definitely in the list of kids who are going to have a lot more, uh, action recently.
2: She got cut off of our list, but I also wanted to throw the shout out to Anna anger who played Joey. Uh, just cause she ha- had such a presence for like the two episodes. She was there.
0: Yeah. The one, the, Theo's
2: the girlfriend. No, mm. no.
0: The, the one from, uh, from rehab
2: yeah oh yeah yeah right, right. yeah she was a series regular on the hawaii five of the new show okay uh I, I knew i'd recognize her from somewhere and i immediately went to
3: look her up and
2: yeah I, I think she was phenomenal and she made a huge impact for a small amount of screen time so i wanted to mention her cool
3: yeah nobody phoned anything in that's for damn sure
1: so uh the trivia the crane children represent the five stages of grief Denial is even anger is Shirley. Bargaining is Theo. Depression is Luke and acceptance is Nell. Huh. I like that.
0: I didn't catch that.
1: That's cool. Yeah. If that's true or not, I still dig it. Uh Russ Tamblin, who plays Dr. Montague, played Luke in the first movie Adaptation of the Haunting of Hill House.
2: Called The Haunting. Interesting about this is that doctor that sends Nell to the house it's repeatedly uh, pointed out that he's giving bad therapeutic advice and he leads her basically to her ruin. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of this weird off theory that uh, this is almost a backdoor sequel to the 63 where he actually is the original Luke and just has been consumed by the house and is sending more people to it. Hmm. I kind of like that. But I didn't really get
0: that vibe from him that he was trying to, I don't know. I mean, he just didn't realize what he was sending her into.
1: You don't get the vibe that I'm trying to drive you into an early grave either, but still.
0: Nah. <laughs> well, yeah. You and an if he's job, cause you, is, is, early parts already gone.
2: Yeah. If he's, if he's not doing it subtly, he's not going to be very effective, especially in a role as therapist.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
2: I, I don't think it was necessarily a, the intention, but I think
3: it's one of those cool fan theories. Yeah. Like
2: yeah. Toby
3: is the strand Strangler kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mike's playing the long con with you, Pat. 25 years and counting.
1: Yeah. Uh, In multiple wide shot scenes at Hill House, you can see ghosts in the background, sometimes just hand shadows and faces, and sometimes, holy shit, I didn't see that standing there. Uh, We played a game afterwards. I showed the girls. uh, I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to a couple of scenes in these in in these uh, episodes. I want you to tell me if you can find the ghost. And it was like the the one that got Sophie was the one that when they opened the trap door for the basement. For
0: the yes, place, yeah, that, the,
1: that the that, rungs. Yeah, and I was like, all right, tell me what if you can see the ghost. All right, and 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 Sophie just goes, oh god, I'm out. It <laughs> just leaves.
3: <laughs> and what's weird is the first time I was watching it, I kept getting this feeling like I'm like, did I just see something there? But I didn't like go back because I just wanted to keep moving forward.
2: Right. And then I found that
3: article I forwarded to you guys because <laughs> I had remembered it when I started watching it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about all that. And it, it, I caught him this time. I caught a lot. Yeah, of. Them.
0: It was kind of cool to watch it, you know, looking for him this time. Yeah, well, and Sarah th- and I caught
3: like
2: two or three of them. And by the time we caught the third one, we're like, how many are there that we missed already? Oh, yeah. And then we saw that article. Yeah. And, and, and after I read the
1: article, I had I had like three episodes to watch. And the thing with me is that I was not watching I was kind of watching the forefront, like where the focus was, but I spent so much time in the background trying to find you know, faces and hands and that sort of thing. But it, just a good job for people that do the rewatch, because when it comes out, everybody does a binge watch. You know, you watch the entire 10 episodes in one weekend and you love the story, but eventually you go back and then you notice one ghost and it freaks you the hell out. And then you start noticing more of them, and it makes that show even creepier because you know you've seen this before, but never noticed them standing there. Yeah. Good Kudos
3: to Mike Flanagan on that right. decision.
0: Yeah. The, the, oh. the my favorite one was uh, besides the farewell to the basement or the ladder to the basement was when uh, Theo or when um, the twins are walking away from from Mrs. Uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, uh, my my just went blank. Dudley. Dudley. Yeah. They're walking away from her and there's just that one just straight up in the background, just standing there watching them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how could you miss that if you're if you're there? But like, you, you know, I missed it, watching it the very first time. So it's like, but once you see it, you're like, God, it's so obvious.
1: Yeah. And that's and and uh, my uh, one of the other ones that really kind of freaked us out was the one where there was a reflection of a woman watching the twins while they were in the kitchen. Yeah, and just there the whole. I mean, it. Ugh.
0: Oh, in the cupboard or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: in the cupboard, just watching things. So, um, we'll we'll get to the ghosts that you can see, the more blatant ghosts, in a little bit. But uh, Henry Thomas Young Hugh Crane uh, wore blue contact lenses through the entire season. The elder Hugh Crane, played by Timothy Hunton, has gray eyes. As Hugh enters Hill House, a wide-eyed house flipper who has never faced a problem he can't fix. As time passed, Thomas's bright blue eyes turn into Hutton's steely gray as the elder Crane has pulled himself away from his children and the events that haunt him to this day. Again, subtle touch. Right. And again, good job. Henry Thomas, you know, I mean, looks like a young Timothy Hutton. I think, I yeah. think again, they did a great job of making sure that the people from the past look like the, the current.
3: Yeah, Carlo Grisino especially.
1: Right. Uh, Mike Flanagan, the director and creator of the series, is married to Kate Siegel, who plays Theo. She's also starred in Oculus, Hush, and Gerald's Game. And in the first episode when young Luke is playing in the treehouse, he has an E.T. metal lunchbox in front of him, and on the lunchbox is a portrait of Henry Thomas, who plays young Hugh Crane on the show.
3: Fun little nod.
2: I like that. So first viewing? Nope. Yes. Yeah. For me and you, but not for Pat or Joel, I believe.
3: Correct. I watched it right after it came out last year because everybody was talking about it i'm like all right let's do this
2: Uh, i was blown away Uh, i think the thing that consistently impressed me most is how pieces of the puzzle were locked in i I got answers to questions that i didn't realize i had until the answers were presented Mm -hmm. because like oh yeah they established that a couple episodes ago and i was so engrossed in the rest of the story i forgot that we didn't get an answer on that and it just all makes sense now, and they kept doing that all the way up to the final episode.
0: Yeah, there were so many loose strings that they all tied together so nicely by the end of it that it, I mean the writing was phenomenal
3: in this. Well, Stephen King, I was as I was doing some research, even he's referred to it as uh almost a perfect masterpiece of horror television. I mean, it's cinematic. I don't know what you want to call it, but. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree.
2: On occasion, it gets a little monologuing opera y but I don't hold that against it in the slightest. Like, there could be people just like I want to see more monsters, I want to see more blood, and that's how they see horror. I feel sad for those people because this, to me, was masterclass in storytelling. Uh fascinating, even when it wasn't scary.
3: See, that's the thing I keep trying to get the point across to people when they, you know, they're like, you know, what, what do you, what do you love horror for? And especially now. Currently, there's an entire crop of, of filmmakers that are making very smart films and television that deal with horrific elements, but that aren't all about the creative kill or the masked killer or the, you know, what right. effect can we do? It's about good storytelling and having something that's interesting to watch that's well-written that's not just made for this.
1: What I like about this one is the fact that it tells you and gives you a view of what happens to the family after the horror has hit. After the haunted house, you know, I mean, they could have just told the story and ended it with them all running out of the house as children. You know, that would have honestly, that segue between them moving into them running out of the house would have been a great show or movie.
0: Would have been an Amityville of a horror movie.
1: Right. It would have been that sort of vein of haunted house movie. But to take that and to jump back and forth and show the character development of kids that didn't know what was really going on in the then dealing with the issues that they have now because of that. And the now, I mean, especially for a character like Luke, who, you know, just completely fell apart after it was a great transition of, you know, it versus I would say not transition, but versus the, oh, we all got
2: out of the haunted house. Congratulations. And let's get on with our lives.
0: Everything's peachy now. Right.
2: Yeah, they all had coping skills, but they were all maladaptive ones. Like none of them came out of this healthy and like, right, I've dealt with my past.
3: And that's one of the things that I, I love in some more recent films of the genre specifically is that they are dealing with kind of what happens after. And that to me is just as interesting as the actual events, because I mean, it can it seriously messes people. They don't turn into, you know, action movie stars. They fall apart, and you know their lives are ruined from mm-hmm. this one thing that happened and this this uh yeah. towed that line and brought it back around so that it had a satisfying conclusion at the end
0: and and the you know it, the thing about what what Josh said earlier is like you know'cause you said the the kids don't really know what's going on, and the problem is the two kids that do know what's going on are the two youngest ones yeah. I, mean, I mean they really do understand exactly what's going on I mean Luke even tries to say this is a bad house you know the, the daughter keeps saying you know i'm not imagining this stuff they're the ones that really do know what's going on but nobody and it's an overriding theme throughout the whole show is nobody's listening mm-hmm. to them well,
3: well and there's that one specific scene that's that's chilling where um she's
0: the, like i was standing here the whole time and
3: that where one... the two of them were talking to um their mom about oh yeah you know someday luke's going to be on the floor next to me and she's basically just, dis- just dis- they're both describing their oh, deaths. Oh God, that right.
1: whole scene. You send it's, me an, it's arf, just, uh, in and I can't, to the oh, that, I mean, and it's as, God, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. You know, what I'm going to say Joel, as a parent, that scene was fucking terrifying.
0: Well, I mean, even not as a parent. I mean, there were several moments watching this series. The very first time I watched it, where it made me tear up a couple times. Cause it's, I mean, You get attached to these characters, and you get attached to their stories, and they're just—it's well acted, well written, well shot, directed, everything. I mean, just very compelling. It's a sad story. The whole—the whole family story is very sad. So, just jumping in here, tossing this out there.
1: Bowler hat man, what the fuck? No one. I mean, they explained oh, him. Well, they explained him completely, was, but I'm just talking about oh. little Luke, baby. I mean, little Luke. No wonder he grew up and he was doing drugs. How do right. you deal with
3: that? Yeah, that's every kid's worst nightmare.
0: Well, that's what I was, that's what I'm talking about. It's like they, they're the only two that knew what was really going on, and nobody listened to them. So yeah, of course they turned out to be the two most fucked up. They're like, they're like guys, we are surrounded by ghosts and evil spirits, and they're all like, yeah. no,
1: what are you talking about? And then and then that <laughs> noise the thing makes as it bends down to look does a whole 180 bend in its waist to look under the bed. I had to take a break after that scene.
3: And that's that's every kid's worst nightmare is that something's outside your door, it's going to come in, and no matter where you hide, it's going to find you, and he lived that.
0: You're going to have to look at it in its eyes at some point because it's going to look oh, you fuck. in in your eyes. Ah.
3: Yeah. Well, and I mentioned the 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 ghost in the cellar that Josh brought some clarification on who that was exactly since it wasn't really explained like in as much detail as some of the others. And that freaked me out as much as anything because, you know, I I never liked going into the basement of my house. And <laughs> most basements are like that. But but the fact that there was something there and he was by himself, and the light wasn't working. Uh, it just was very terrible.
0: The whole thing was, yeah, re- you yeah, know, really fucked up.
3: And I personally am not a fan of ghost stories. I, I find that a lot of times the way that they're told, they fall apart somewhere in the middle and never recover. And this pulled it off without without having that crumbling.
0: So you guys have seen all ten episodes, right? Oh, everybody yeah. has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I one of my favorite things about watching it this second time is knowing that all the different things that are going on in the red room as they're happening in the red room you're like oh my god like you know, just thinking about like all the times that like you know um theo is in the, in there dancing around and you know, the, you know people are fucking with the door you're like thinking back and, you know oh that was the scene when they were fucking with the door in this particular you know and you just watching it at the, you know and and seeing all the pieces come together knowing how they're going to come together i i can't recommend enough watching it a second time
1: yeah i think i'm going to have to yeah i That's, uh, i agree with you i think the the amount of tying up that this show did was tantamount to like Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah, they dumped, they dumped the ring in Mordor, but we're going to make sure there are absolutely no, you know, no strands hanging out here that you guys are going to talk about, but they did it in such a way that you, instead of going, Oh God, okay. We got an explanation for that. It was, Holy crap. That was that the whole
2: time. Yep. Well, and some of, especially the deep dive lore is stuff you have to piece together from a couple of different conversations. And uh, it reminded me a little bit uh, of some of the obscure, like Dark Souls uh, does this well as a video game where it's like they don't come out and just tell you, oh, here's the backstory of the entire Hill family tree. But you can piece together the relationships, who they were, mm-hmm. how they interacted with one another. And I just love that the lore was so consistent and deep yeah. that you could do that. See Joel, I mean, I know you don't. You said you don't
1: like ghost stories. I love ghost story movies. Uh, this the the movie Ghost Story itself, the one with Fred Astaire and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Yeah, I,
2: I saw oh, that in the yeah.
3: theater. That's yeah. one that uh, has been on my list for a long time that I still haven't watched because I love Fred Astaire movies, mm-hmm. and I know that didn't we do that? No, no we, we did that, that for the we show. Do,
1: um, that and uh, was Mm-mm. some of the other ghost stories that I've watched. I mean, like I love haunted house movies all the way from haunted house to like haunted house in space. So like the, uh, the change
3: horizon you were mentioning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The change to event horizon. I love haunted house type stories. Those really dig.
2: one thing that's kind of a shame, at least for Patrick, because I know he hasn't seen it is it's similar enough to season one of American horror story that I, I'm glad I saw season one of American horror story first, because this is a similar story told yeah, better. That,
3: yeah. I mean, American Horror Story is, Mm. is, is decent, but it's not on this level.
2: Right. And that's the thing is like uh, one of my favorites was the haunted house one, season one, and they're similar in some ways, but this is just like in every way better. And, and and I love that first season, but yeah, set yourself up, pad, adjust your expectations Mm -hmm. knowing you've seen this. Yeah.
0: I've still heard enough good things about American Horror Story. I'm not totally concerned about it in Miss.
3: but uh the One of the other things that was was unique about this that I thought was interesting was the fact that the as well, the deadly specifically, you know after their daughter is killed, that you're never sure if she's real or not, that they you know know that by her being dead that she's she's going to be in the house forever, and so they ultimately live out their lives only to die in the, in the house themselves so that they can be with their their kids that are gone and that they still live on in this house that's this horrible entity that's eating people but they're you know able to live a happy life with their their kids yeah as long as the house stays standing which you know based on Luke's gasoline experiment it's going to take a lot to, to bring the house down
1: i will tell you when when that episode ended when he when Luke threw the lighter down and uh, the other thing i want to say is like why don't people like bring matches <laughs> Whenever they do this sort of thing, everybody's got a freaking super nice Zippo lighter that they throw in the grave. They throw in there. I'm like, dude, that's a good lighter. Why are you just throwing it away? <laughs> um, I great. know.
0: Like, just buy a Bic.
1: Seriously, why do you need that? Just bend down, get a get a aim and flame. It's four bucks.
0: It just really seems like a waste of a good Zippo. See,
1: I'm glad you feel the same way with me on this one, Pat. But when Luke goes to the house and he throws the lighter onto the carpet and it goes... <clears throat> And disappears, and then he sees his mom at the top of the stairs, and the episode ends. I'm like, that dumbass is walking into an inferno. Oh yeah, See, that was my take. It's like the the house has made him think it's not on fire. Now he is walking through the middle of an inferno to get to his mother, and Luke is going to
2: burn to death. Well, did you look away because the episode has Poppy grab him? I,
1: yeah, I split that. second. I did. She I will. Him. I will say the second time I watched that, I saw that. I did miss that because that was like, I, I turned to Suzanne, I'm like he's burning up, you know, and then Poppy grabbed me when I was looking away. But that was my intention. But, uh. you know, it, it, I was pleasantly surprised because they didn't go with the they didn't go with what I expected. And I like to think that I have enough historical uh, horror movie chops that I uh, when I get surprised on what what a horror movie does, that actually means something to me.
2: Well, yeah, they play with your expectations and subvert them a couple times. Like the uh, version of Olivia that is talking to old Hugh through most of the movie, you assume, oh, she's benevolent and she's watching her kids grow up and it's revealed. No, she's literally just a construct of his. It's his coping Mm -hmm. skill. That's all him. It's a a, a version of her that he's created. There's nothing spectral about her at all. And she's not benevolent. When you get to the real Olivia. Yeah.
3: Something that, that I, I like to see that's happened recently in some TV shows that they're not afraid to do is where they spend an entire episode in one area, like one room, one, whatever bottle episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's all takes place in this one encapsulated area. And it's basically just a lot of dialogue and the, the two storms episode where they're at the, the, the wake and the funeral for Nell is a prime example of of that done right. Uh, it reminds me of the, uh, I don't know if any of you watch BoJack Horseman, but the episode where he's trying to give the eulogy.
1: Not so, where I thought this conversation was going.
3: No, but it's very similar in tone because it's, you know, it's this very kind of dark, somber episode, the same way this was, but everything's told through um, dialogue, but it's it's as effective as any of the other episodes, if not more so, to me anyway. And
0: that was a great episode, though. The, the two
3: storms. Exactly. And and, and a lot of the, a lot of this relies on these kind of lengthy monologues telling these stories. And the actors are so good. And the script is so good that, you know, you're just totally engrossed by it.
0: Speaking of, uh, you know, guys doing great performances, how about the the blind dude in the in, in the NA meeting?
3: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Talking about the girl with the runny oh. a guys. Yeah. yeah anybody else would talk one follow that and
3: you can visualize the entire <laughs> scenario that he's telling the story oh
0: i mean they like every, like like mike said earlier no one phoned it in and everybody said, did a great job
3: uh, also the role of time
2: and destiny uh they play with those uh, in a very effective way where you've got, in a lot of ways uh the deaths of nell and luke or at least the impression that they're going to die creates the situation that they're all afraid is going to happen. Like she haunts herself her entire life as the bent neck lady, right? And then the image of Luke uh, on the floor with foam coming out of his mouth and Nell dead on a table is what ca- pushes Olivia over the edge and causes her to, yeah, her kids or at least try to.
3: And I mean, what about? Oh,
1: sorry, good. Oh no, no, no. I, I, that 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 scene with the bent neck lady was another one of those moments like i'm watching this movie i'm gonna watch it for the show we had talked about doing this for a while after the bent neck lady episode it was another one of those like i, I gotta give this a break <laughs> i gotta take a step away because holy shit not only was i not expecting that but oh my god that poor
3: kid
0: yeah, yeah. like how fucked up is it to find out that you're the person that's been yeah, wanting
3: you, you are the night you are your own nightmare too real Another another uh, sequence of events that was pretty dialogue heavy was when um, Theo talks about when she touched Nell's body and how well, she felt nothing yeah. and it was blackness and her whole thing about you know is is death nothing but being alone in blackness and not being able to feel anything and that's just a terrifying thought yeah and how she pulled herself out of it of course then caused other problems but you know I I it just is oh it just really well done
1: yeah I I. I just had a thought. Keep going. Run without me.
0: <laughs> Kevin, Kevin turns into a waiter. That's his coping mechanism.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> she got all the best zingers. Yeah, <laughs>
0: they always say they look like they're sleeping. She doesn't look like she's sleeping. <laughs> she looks like she's dead.
1: That episode was completely. De- I mean, it was so and good. for for an episode that really had no ghosts in it, the whole episode with her wake and with her funeral. With just the family there, exposed so much of what they have been going through, and so many motivations, and so many of the of the kids dealing with it,
0: and just that 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 scene when Kevin admits to her that you know he took the money too, Ooh. and she just melts. It was down. the calm during the storm before <laughs> yeah, the everything
1: storm. comes. Up. Mm, yeah, for sure. The dad. Okay, first off, I thought Timothy Hunt did a great job. And it wasn't until the very last episode when Bowler Hat Man was uh, uh, staring at Stephen in the face. When Bowler Hatman came down, was looking directly at Stephen and, and his dad is like, look at me. Look at me. And just like, do not turn your head. Look at me. And then you realize what a weight Hugh Crane has been dealing with. His entire life in keeping these kids safe from the insanity that happened at this house.
2: Well, and it's kind of we don't see it, but it's heavily implied that Hugh has gone back to the house many times. And this stuff, seeing the elongated form of Mr. Hill, it like it doesn't phase him anymore. Like he knows it's a dangerous place for him, but like when he's wandering through the halls of the funeral home and finds himself suddenly in the old house,
0: he doesn't even shrug. He's yeah. not surprised. Yeah, he's, he's more yeah. like,
2: well, shit. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's yeah. like, well, more of this shit again.
2: I mean, but I think I think
0: but I, I guarantee you that house keeps pulling him back.
2: Oh, it can, for sure. And he probably by that point knows he knows Mister Hill he knows Poppy he knows mm-hmm. uh, Aunt Hazel he's got
1: an idea of all the uh, all the ghosts and all that but I think the transition of the father in the ver- from the very beginning of him the older father going from I'm not not that I'm not telling the whole secret but kind of like I don't really know what's going on I can't tell that sort of thing where he was kind of like um lost to. I've been in control of the situation the whole time I've been doing. The reason you guys don't know what's going on is because I refuse to tell you to keep you safe and realizing, honestly, by the final episode, uh, I realizing that Ukraine is actually kind of a badass for the shit that he's been dealing with his entire
3: life. Well, it's the whole thing they keep coming back to is that if there's a problem or something that needs to be fixed, he can he can fix it. Mm hmm. And
0: and the whole time, you know, he's been judged by all his children for being a horrible father. When in reality, he's been the best father that he can be by mm-hmm. just taking every all the all the shit and letting
3: them mm-hmm. think that he's a it's bad father. He couldn't fix.
2: Yeah, he had to let Janet raise his kids for him and let her poison them against him, Ugh. and effectively thank her for it.
3: Told you there was going to be a lot to unpack. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent in this show.
3: There's there's way more under the surface that we haven't even gotten to, but, and this is one of those shows that honestly, Joel,
1: if you wanted to create another podcast, you can get at least 20 episodes to a piece for each
2: episode on the <laughs> on this show. Just focusing on all of the characters, although I'd probably tune out for the Shirley episode and m- maybe the uh, Stevie episode huh. <laughs> I don't know. by the end, by the end, Stevie sort of uh, redeemed himself, but even though she'd resolved her, uh, trials. Even by the end of episode ten, I was like, Shirley's the worst. Just my opinion.
0: I mean, there has to be a worst, just because that's just if you're going to rank them, there just has to be one, and she would probably be it. But I didn't dislike her.
2: Oh, I did. I, I throughout the way she treated her family, like I understood her, but I never liked her as a person.
0: She's not meant to be liked, though. I think no, no, oh
2: yeah. well, for sure. But yeah, I could find something likable about. All of the other kids, even eventually Stevie, and he was the other one, I was just like, fuck this dude. But by the end, I'm like, okay, he's taking on the mantle of his dad. Okay, cool, fine. You were a douche, but okay, I mean,
0: I kind of related to him, because I was like, you know, if if you think about it, he really didn't see much of anything. He was always the one that was on the outside of all the paranormal stuff. He's also the only... Oh. Yeah, and, and I just, I mean... Yeah, he he was the one that kind of sold him out, you know, to make the money and everything, but I mean somebody had to and he happened to be the writer.
2: Uh, did you notice uh what I was jumping in there Anya? He was the only one that didn't have his own ver- his own what? His own version of the red room.
0: Right, yeah, I did actually hmm. I was thinking about that at one point when when one of the one of the kids was in the room and I was I was going through cycling in my head and he was the one I was like I can't Recall him doing anything in there.
1: That's kind of wacky, yeah. Well, wait, no, but, no, 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 no. Yeah. He, did, he did have a version of it. He had the game room, remember? Because that's where he found the uh, oh. little armoire thing. Oh, yep. you're right. He I stand, stand right? corrected. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What I, did, I, did I
1: think was interesting too. is that when all of them were being rescued by Nell. Cause like little by little, like they all showed up, they were all wound up in the house. They wound up in their little personal hell. Like Steven, like, like the, oh, uh, the episode 10, when Steven was talking to his wife, all this, that, and the other. And then suddenly she's like, yeah, you're a little bitch. Like, Oh, this conversation is taking a strange turn. <laughs> um, and then Nell shows up and touches him and kicks him out of that dream and throws him into the red room. One of the things I noticed was Theo was the only one that she did not actively touch. She's the one that reached out her hand, and Theo had to come to her. That's cool, you know what I mean? So it's like all the other ones, like Luke and Nell I mean Nell came to Luke, knocked Luke out of the dream he came she came to Stephen, knocked him out of the dream. Theo, she came to her and held her. I, I, I don't know what it means, but I know there's something there uh, <laughs> sure. that she held out her sure. hand. And Theo had to reach out and grab Nell versus the- Nell touching her.
0: Hmm.
2: It's funny you mentioned the game room, which I didn't notice at first. But it did strike me when he was playing video games. It was with a weird controller and oddly uh, too sophisticated graphics. And that makes sense because it wasn't a real place.
1: Well, he was using this. That was a, that's Okay. Video gaming can come out. That was actually a Sega CD that he was playing. And it was uh, the sewer fighter one.
2: Really? So that was a legit console, yeah, was, just one I'd never played.
1: Yeah, no, that was uh, Sega CD. I'm, I'm not sure, 100% sure of the name, but it was one of those where you're driving through a sewer and you're killing, like, mutant mutant rats.
2: Interesting. Hmm. So what year would uh, that I am Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I was just curious if you knew off the top if it fit uh, with the timeline. It time would line. have been.
3: I wonder if Nell did that because of what happened when Theo touched her in the what? morgue.
0: No, I think it probably had something to do with the fact that Theo was always saying, don't touch me. And so she had to be the one to reach oh, out maybe. to touch someone mm, that's else.
1: Hey, good, that's good. A I, call. Good call. I like, it. I like it. And the pool table is the earth. <laughs> so, okay. And as you were asking, Josh, uh, the game that I he was playing was actually called Sewer Shark. Came out oh. in uh, in North America in
3: 1992.
0: No, man. No, I'm just a dolphin.
3: 1992. 92. Not Land Shark. 1992, not land
0: shark. I know you, you're that sewer shark.
2: I guess the the timeline could fit like in 92, he was probably like 13 Mm -hmm. or 14. So uh, not much younger than us, which that seems like Stevie older. Stevie is. Yeah. Yeah. It fits. So good on you guys. Good research again. I like it. Yeah.
0: Our crack research team strikes again. Yeah,
2: and I'm wrong twice in a row about a game room. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, you're
0: going to have to retire. You're going to have to retire as our game master. Right now,
1: but here's a question. Haunting of Hill House, is there going to be a second season? Yes,
2: but it's not okay. the yes. Crane family. Yeah. Okay, good. No. It looks like they're going to keep some of the actors, maybe. The uh, what articles I read were strangely conflicted on that.
0: I guess we'll get to find out about Luke.
2: Well, it's not going to be a continuation at all. It's going to be uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. It's going oh. to be a completely yeah, different Mike story. Like
3: Flanagan said he, that the cranes had been through enough.
2: Oh. And uh, it was
1: time to tell a different story. In all honesty, yeah, they've been through some shit.
3: Yeah.
2: And everything was resolved. Like, they'd have to open up other secret cans of worms. It wouldn't to come back, or, to or you, it just had to be
0: something lame about another guy buys the place and right now let's watch him yeah, go no, through hell they're, with they're his. They're going
3: family. a different direction. They're just yeah. using that yeah. as a vehicle um, to tell a different story. Well, and Stevie wrote other books.
2: Like they could do multiple seasons about all the various places he wrote books about. They they might even not even keep that as part of the wrapper. But like we saw, he wrote the haunting of this, that, the other place. All the other seasons could oh, be that's his true. other books.
1: So uh just say it. Do you want I think honestly, we can talk for all night about this show.
0: Yeah. This is one of my one of my favorite shows I've watched in a while.
1: I I think we're all we're we're all on board board on this one. Six hundred thumbs up each. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We've just been gushing about it. Exactly. I mean, this is a
1: great haunted house. It's a great haunted house story that actually not only scares you, but makes you feel the repercussions of what happened. And that's what I like.
0: <laughs> it made me feel feelings. I mean, you remember, you remember feelings, right?
1: We all still have them, Pat. We all have them, Pat. You're the, you're the outlier on this one. Womp, a bomb.
0: <laughs> so yeah, obviously four thumbs up on, on the Hauntingham Hill house. Um, do, are we all thumbs down on, on the two, the hauntings? Uh I, I think the only dissenting one might be Joel on the first no, I think, I think 63. Mike liked the original. I I like
1: the I like the original because yeah, not because oh, it's Mike, a good not, movie, yeah, right. but because I have fond memories of watching old black and white horror movies
2: when I was a kid. That's And I didn't hate it. It was just kind of boring. Like I don't know. I I oh, that's I a
0: thumbs down in my book.
2: It probably does come down as a thumbs down, but a reluctant one. Because there was a lot to love there, but just not enough yeah. for me to give it a thumbs up.
3: Yeah, I'm a little conflicted. Um, I'd probably give it a thumbs up just for, if nothing else, the cinematography and the the sets. But the rest of it, eh, I don't know. The sideways stuff, yeah. maybe. It is what it is. And and,
0: I mean the set. Yeah, the set in all three movies. The house is just gorgeous. There's you can't take anything away from no. the set in all. Ninety
3: nine. I think we're all. A big fat thumbs down. Great set piece.
1: uh, Terrible, you know. Great cast. Great cast. It could have been so much better than what it was.
3: Yeah, it was a big steaming pile of ghost poop. Poop. So ding, ding.
0: Just as as bad as Child's Play. Nope.
3: So Joel. Yo. What are we talking about next week? Next week. uh, It's going to be a little bit confusing, but we are finally getting around to releasing our live music show.
1: Yeah. So live music, we're talking about concerts and that sort of thing. And uh, iTunes, Blueberries, Stitcher, TalkShoot, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and all other podcasting directories.
2: Please go on Yeah. And if you want to give us your thoughts on The Haunting, I know some of you have some thoughts, including listener Karen, who wanted us to do this show. Let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708 yep. And if you're living in a haunted house, give us a call.
0: I think I think I might be. You'll find oh, out
3: why ooh. next week. Ooh. Nice segue, Patrick. Oh, spooky! Thank you. Y'all. All right, I'm gonna go check under the bed.
0: You guys made me watch Child's Play, so you know, nanny nanny boo-boo. Stick your hand in feces and such.
3: That's at least got, you know... Stick your hand in feces. A a long (laughs) list of people who love that film.
0: I'm an adult, Mike. I'm going to speak like an adult. I'm not going to say doo-doo.
1: You started with nanny (laughs) nanny boo
2: (laughs) boo I knew that would get you for some reason.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Called the shit poop.
2: (laughs) <laughs> you can't play the adult
0: card when you start with Nanny Nanny Boo Boo. No, I I, said, I I thought you said I'm alright, Spider. What movie?
3: Nanny Nanny Boo Boo?
0: <laughs>
3: I love that movie. The 10th film from Quentin Tarantino.
0: Starring <laughs> <Sorry>, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> nanny Nanny Boo <boo-boo>. Boo. <laughs> Hulk Hogan as the nanny and Honey Boo Boo as the kid. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo.
1: <laughs> I would watch.
3: That. What am I doing here? <laughs> Wait, you need a second nanny, though. Who's the other Brand nanny? Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher, <laughs> yeah.
2: Paul Hogan, Fran Drescher, and Honey Boo-boo in Nanny, nanny,
3: boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> Bowl.
0: Quick, someone get Hollywood on the phone.